Welcome to Seattle Church Radio. These are your hosts, Evan Dunn and Zane Sporeleader. We are podcasting because we are too ugly to host video things. Welcome to the first episode, the one where we figure everything out. Why did we start Seattle Church Radio? We started Seattle Church Radio because it seems difficult to be the church in Seattle. Because the church of Seattle seems highly fragmented and there's actually data that backs that up. So we're talking to a variety of church leaders, people from all types of churches, people whose lives are defined by their efforts to be the church in the sense of actually organizing around faith in Jesus Christ. So those are the two real criteria we have is a history of activity in church ministry and leadership and a clear faith in Jesus Christ. Um, so with us today, we have our first guest, Ray Harding, the guinea pig, we like to call him, who is actually leaving Seattle for Mississippi. So this is really a debriefing, an exit interview, right? Yep. Um, so you're going to Mississippi for seminary. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself, Ray? Yeah, so grew up in Seattle area. Grew up like Redmond, Bellevue, Monroe, Newcastle. Been in Seattle the last 10 years off and on. Went to Cambodia for a little bit. Went to Missouri for a little bit. Um, Why'd you go to Cambodia? Uh, to try and be a missionary on my own with mm. my wife. On your own? <laughs> yeah. No funding? No fun. I mean, front funding from friends. Uh, not being sent by anybody and just hopping on a plane and flying over there like an idiot. That's great. It worked out really awesome. We came back in four months. So four months. Well, passionate to be faithful. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I got zeal for days, but wisdom is extremely lacking. That's good. I'm sure you learned a ton about uh, the differences between Seattle and a place like Cambodia. Oh yeah. Yeah, they speak a different language, they eat <laughs> different foods, you know. <laughs> really impacts your spirituality. It does. It does, though. Yeah, no, it does. Before we dive in uh, more into who Ray is and just what he's got to say, which I'm super interested in. Um, yeah, we thought we'd uh, give a little cover coverage of a little more uh, national uh, thing going on in the Christian church right now. It's local, uh, too. It it's local. Yeah. It has to deal with local. Yeah, a lot of people were into that book in the area. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh, so Josh Harris. Uh, um, kissed Steph, marriage goodbye. Kissed marriage goodbye. Yes. <laughs> You're not the first to make that up. I saw a blog with it. <laughs> <laughs> you give him credit, man. Yeah, I mean, it was good. You, you didn't read the blog. You were, you were, that was quick. Uh, Original. <laughs> so Josh Harris, uh, kissed mar- marriage goodbye. He posted in a... Uh, Instagram post the other day uh, right after posting that him and his wife were divorcing uh, one little quote from an Instagram post was he said the information that was left out of our announcement is that I've undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus the popular phrase for this is deconstruction the biblical phrase for this is falling away Uh, by all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian I am not a Christian. Many people tell me that there is a different way to practice faith, faith, and I want to remain open to this, but I am not there now. Uh, so not wanting to get into all of Josh Harris's ministry and, and the whole story of him stepping away, I'm mostly interested in, in this, this popular phrase, deconstructionism, um, how that pertains to what's going on in uh the nation right now but specifically Seattle Um, so it seems like a really popular thing so Ray what are your thoughts on on deconstructionism yeah I think deconstruction like the phrase itself just sounds like 
a Christian way of saying I'm slowly becoming not a Christian. So I think there's, I think that's the negative approach. And it's like, yeah, yeah. like he says in, in the Instagram post or whatever, like it's a slow falling away or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think a biblical view of it, a good view of it would be reconstruction, which we should always be doing mm-hmm. of just examining everything we're thinking, feeling, reading in scripture. Is this actually true? Testing it to see if it's true. But deconstruction is just, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And just chipping away and taking stuff out. I've definitely heard a lot of people use it for basically that kind of like, I'm no longer a Christian anymore. But I have heard other people use it for like, I'm still a Christian, but a different kind of Christian, right? Yeah. And that's that slow, let's wait five years yeah, and yeah. see if they're still saying <clears throat> I'm a Christian. Mm, I think that I'm a different kind of Christian. We'll just what from what I've seen anyway. It tends to a few years later. I'm just not one anymore. Yeah. Have you guys ever known anyone who has like said I'm deconstructing my faith? I've heard people just say like I've never heard the deconstruction really like, but reexamining, mm-hmm. like rethinking, yeah, testing out other things like. Is it usually related to conservative ideals that they? Had that's uh, a baited question, but yeah, 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 totally. Yes. Ha- has there ever been a deconstructing <laughs> your liberal Christianity into? into I, there has been, but yeah, that phrase that's called probably is deconstructing. Yeah, and coming that, back to a biblical basis. <laughs> yeah, so like that word to me, I like, I try to see it on the best, you know, the best possible because like in some ways I've used it um, in like, oh, I have in some cases in the past five years, specifically post Mars Hill, like deconstructed aspects of my faith. To me, it seems like the word in itself seems like a, a a great tool for logic. Like we all, we all take some, like we all take information and we, we have, um, we have biases towards what we want to believe and the teachers we trust. And so We'll just cling on to things. So yeah. the idea of like deconstruction in the, in a general purpose seems great in in like, hey, I'm going to instead of just assume certain things or just trust someone, I'm actually going to pull things apart and think through them myself. Yeah. And then there needs to be a reconstruction yeah. for sure. Because with just deconstructing, it's like I'm going to go work on my engine on my car, but I'm just going to take it apart. Just pull it apart, <laughs> right? And then you've got. Nothing. You don't have a car anymore. Yeah. You have pieces for it, but without the intentional reconstruction of it, yeah. and without a basis for reconstruction, like to test your reconstructing against. Like if you don't have the blueprints for the car to mm-hmm. be like, am I putting this back together yeah, correctly? Yeah. Not well, a lot of people are going to be able to put it back together. It's true. I definitely feel like that's true. I'm trying to play devil's advocate in my head, and I'm trying to think. Okay, if we had someone, you know, like Michael Gunger, is deconstructed Christianity and. And then he basically has like an agnostic manifesto on his on the Gunger music page, um, though he still makes or did for a while even after that makes some um, Christian music. Always confused me. But trying to think, if someone were sitting here with us, like what would they say to rebut the like? Clearly, we all kind of feel like there's a needlessness to some of the language. Yeah, used. I just think the language is inadequate. Mm. Yeah. So if I think if it's like deconstructing to reconstruct I think that's great yeah. mm-hmm. but it's just like logically deconstruction just leads to 
that it, right. that itself just deconstruction. Do you remember when relativism was like the thing? Yeah. And uh, it, it reminds me so much of that where, you know, if I say you're wrong and you say uh, no one's wrong, one of us is right. Like that kind of um, let's float into free space of non indecision with our ideologies. And deconstruction kind of feels like the the 2010s decade yeah. phrase for yeah. that. Um, is deconstructionism a big thing in Seattle? I mean, have we seen that? Have we observed that? Or is it kind of we're just hearing about it on the radio waves? Yeah, I think since Mars Hill, it's mm-hmm. it's been mainly a lot of the people in Mars Hill have have used that term and actively deconstructed to the point where they are no longer where they are. Many people not Christians anymore. Uh, a lot of people just, you know, would no longer consider themselves sort of reformed, um, and they've deconstructed like past that, past fundamentalism. They've deconstructed things like that. And I think part of that is really good, is really healthy um, to deconstruct past like this, um, this rigid Christianity to actually explore things to yourself, to actually like look at what is the Bible? What, like actually how do we, are we meant to interpret the Bible? Uh, You know, deconstructing past a rules-based Christianity, I think it's really amazing. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing. Um, However, I think, I think a big part is like, how do you reconstruct? It is like, what is your reconstruction it seems to me in Seattle that a lot of people's basis on reconstruction um, is is self and feelings yeah. and so like I feel this way yeah. or 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 this doctrine or this passage doesn't doesn't rub me the right way so I so I yeah I don't there's an like emotional it. response like leading you in another direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they are which, which is confusing because God gave us emotions and emotions are good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's how do we use them, examine them, which ones do we trust, which ones don't we trust? That's when it gets hard and complicated. Totally. So reconstruction ultimately is about based on like what your authority is. Yeah. If if there think, is authority. I think I think many people's authority is and in the Seattle church is their their feelings, yeah. their their own mind, their own um, conscience. Yeah. Where so, at, yeah. Sorry, did you just made me think that. So as you were talking, I was thinking like, so the the thing that I have seen with people deconstructing is that they get so like detail oriented about things within Christianity that that offend them mm. that they forget Jesus. Mm. It's so like in the act of deconstructing, re-examining, which is great to do, and we should always be doing. Like that's what the Reformation was all about. Like yeah. re-examining what we're doing. But in that, in just deconstructing, I think the tendency is to lose sight of Christ, and from what I've seen from people, to lose sight of just having a relationship with Him. Yeah. And like having that be a primary, so it becomes an issues-oriented religion mm. rather than a relational religion. Yeah. So you're re- reconstructing bases on like rules and what you do and don't like. You're not reconstructing based on Christ. Yeah. Well, even you're not deconstructing based on Christ. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. you're like, I think I have gay friends and I love them and I think they should be married, which yeah. I feel that tension yeah. with friends I have. Yeah. But it's like, okay, but who is the most important relationship I have? Mm-hmm. 
And and what did they feel about this? Yeah. Yeah. And back to what you're saying about having authority and then is that person actually the ultimate authority? And then we rely on him rather than our feelings like you were talking about. I mean, I can relate to this personally. My my one crisis of faith uh, was like kind of a six-month period. And yeah, I mean, I've always kind of been a really strong, just, yeah, Jesus kind of person. So it is really my like one crisis of faith. I'm not trying to belittle other people's experiences, but uh, I took an understanding Islam seminar my first uh, semester at UW. And it was taught by a guy who used to be a Christian um, and had converted to Islam, which was super fascinating. And I just started, people would share just in the class, like their religious experiences, their emotional experiences, right? Where they thought that was God approaching me and it was mm-hmm. Allah. That was God approaching me. And it was, I mean, it's pretty much Muslims and Christians in the class. Um, and that shook me because I've always been a highly emotional person. And so I was just wrestling with that. But really what brought me back or or maybe sort of reconstructed in me was you know there is it's the emotional experience of jesus but it's also just he's so striking he's so different than anything else yeah that brought it back so i'm curious though um you know you mentioned mars hill i was keeping track under 10 minutes and we got into lgbt you brought up (laughs) and we got into mars hill which Mars Hill itself, like we keep telling ourselves, like all the bullet points for a good podcast. Right. <laughs> is that Drama. what it is? <laughs> we're we're trying not to make this a podcast about yeah, yeah. Seattle post Mars Hill, but there are a lot of you know uh, ways in which Mars Hill just had a really interesting impact on the city. Ray, did yeah. you go to Mars Hill at any point? Yeah, I was at Mars Hill for I want to say like four years or so. Something like that. That's where Zane and yeah. I met. Yeah. I don't know how long the U District was around. Yeah, so I started going like off and on a year before the U District was around. I was going to be- the Bellevue campus because mm. um, my brother made me start going. Your brother made you start going to Mars Hill? Yeah. Yeah. So you were we, Christian, though. Yeah. Yeah, I said I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so quick, I'll give the short testimony real quick. So I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. Um, he was a preaching pastor, so he would only like preach on Sundays. And the rest of the time, he was a police officer. And so, I don't know how long he did that for, but he ended up cheating on my mom twice. <clears throat> One time while he was the, the preaching pastor at our church. If you're listening to this, raise <laughs> know, in public. Yeah, he knows, everyone knows. I talk about this all the time. I talk about it when I preach, so... Uh, I've never asked him if that's okay. Man, having a pastor anyway. for a child. Is, <laughs> having a pastor for a child. It's is a, hey, he did it, so it's <laughs> part of my story. That's just what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so he ended up cheating on my mom, and then they split up. I was like 10 or so. And so my mom, she would wake us up every Sunday, and we would go to church, and I, was, I would go because my mom made me go, right? Um, and then get to high school junior high I started sleeping with my girlfriend into high school go to college drinking sleeping around doing so all that so you weren't following Joshua Harris's method no yeah never heard of never heard of that method actually <laughs> I had heard of it hello. so that's the tension is like I knew I would like go to bed at night being like dude you're going to hell mm-hmm. like what are you doing mm-hmm. like there was a bunch of shame that would come with it and like good conviction and my brother like we basically have the exact same testimony but he's three years older mm-hmm. And so it just kind of, 
he got there sooner than I did, but he just drugged me along with him. Um, so I was sleeping around. I went to Missouri for college, doing the thing, uh, moved back, drop out of college, moved back to be with a to be with my girlfriend who's a senior in high school. So real awesome dude. Uh, <laughs> just, you weren't gonna say anything. Just a stand up guy. And that's where uh, I met you. You were still dating her. Yeah. She wasn't in high school when we met, but uh so then but my brother has me start listening to Christian rap and I'm like, dude, this is gonna be so stupid. I remember sitting in the car and he's like, Alright Ray, just listen to this one song and if you like it, just take the whole album and listen to it. And if you don't, I'll leave you alone. What song was that? It was uh Indwelling Sin by Lecrae. And so it's a song where he's rapping he's rapping about being tempted by sin. He's like walking through the city and going to the to the store to get something to drink and he's gonna go to the studio and start rapping, but so seeing all the way is tempting and people are coming up like a prostitute comes up she's like hey whatever you want to get on dude's like hey you want to smoke some bud the other guy's like hey you want to get drunk and so he's rapping about that and there's just tension and I remember listening to the song and like thinking in my head man this is like this is dope but I cannot let my brother know <laughs> that I'm enjoying this song like literally stopping myself from bobbing my head like trying not to give any inclination that I've enjoyed it and then Song's over. He looks over. He's like, "So what do you think?" I was like, "I guess I'll take the album, man." Uh, Bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. I guess I'll listen to it. So then, like two weeks later, I was listening to the album on repeat. Um, and then there's this other song called "Desperate," where Lecrae is talking about how he knows the truth about Jesus. He knows Jesus saved him from his sins. He knows Jesus died for him. Knows Jesus loves him, but that he's completely turned his back on Jesus, and that he's doing all these horrible things, right? And that was just like. 100% my story. Like, I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it. Mm. Um, so I'm hearing all this gospel truth yeah. I knew and heard growing up right. and had just turned my back on completely because uh, I wanted to have sex. That right. was just, that was all Touché. I cared about. Um, but, at, like, I was telling you, like, I felt empty every time after, you know, so there's yeah. this hole and I know something's missing and then this, this song is playing and I'm working at Willow's Run Golf Course in Redmond and I'm mowing a green and I just start bawling my eyes out and like have to pull off the green otherwise I'm gonna like mess the whole thing up <laughs> like pull off I'm just bawling my eyes out uh like start praying to Jesus and like repenting and um then this dude on a lawnmower starts driving up so I like wipe my face off and start mowing again. <laughs> like get back to work yeah try to act up uh, and then from there it was like that's when I started going to Mars Hill that's when I started reading my bible that's when I kept sleeping with my girlfriend and then it's just this year long back and forth of doing that um and then yeah broke up with her started getting really plugged in at Mars um because my brother brother made me do it it was Lecrae at the golf course with yep. the rap music it's like a clue game yeah and um, I remember telling him like dude it's gonna be like DC talk like I'm not listening to this stuff <laughs> <laughs> it's garbage man <laughs> no that's really good thanks for sharing I think it's uh it's it's interesting right you know we definitely didn't want to set out to create a podcast where the gospel was just like preached basically but ultimately you know you listen to someone's story right and you get it you get that even better so talk to me about after that point like you've been in seattle for about 10 years you said um and now you're about to move away like how would you sum up the church in seattle how would you describe it three words a sentence yeah um, a rambling 
if it's a word, I would say pastor list. Hmm. Um, um, so I don't think, I mean, I haven't experienced. So if you look at X, this Ray's is grabbing life. a Bible. We probably should have gotten that before the podcast. Yeah. Close by Acts 20, uh, Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders and he's describing to them like the way he's labored and how he's been a pastor to them. Um, I'll just read the main verse that always stands out to me. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers mm-hmm. to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. And so earlier in that, he talks about how he went house to house, exhorting the people daily in the church, like weeping over them. Yeah. Uh, and the, I can honestly say I've never had a pastor. I've had good Christian brothers and friends that have done that, but I've never had a pastor that has wept for me that I've known about or over me or sought me out and to exhort me or to encourage me. Like I've had it happen in passing, but no one, no one who seemed to like take the task of caring for my soul seriously. Yeah. Other than through the preaching of the word. Yeah. So I, I think. Seattle churches, and I, I only know like seven churches. So <laughs> there's, yeah, there's however many churches there are in Seattle. I know like experience from like seven. Um, that there's a lot of preachers and professional leaders, but not a whole lot of pastors. I don't think men who are willing to. It's interesting. Just love you, and pursue you regularly. I love that you picked that word out. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, we, we talked about um, Seattle being the nun zone a bit before we started this, right, as in highest percentage of religiously unaffiliated people, so 40% of this city, and it's the highest major city in this country. That's according to, it's like the Public Religious Research Institute or something. So, but they've also studied a uh, number of churches per capita, and we are the second highest huh. in the country number of churches per capita so is it possible that you just missed some opportunity I mean I know you've been yeah. very active in the Seattle church community yeah. uh, well I think it's totally possible so one dude who I think one one guy that I've experienced that I think is like a legit pastor uh, are we gonna name him oh I'll name him yeah in a second but he uh, he's can be viewed in the area as like a rogue guy who did his own thing but anyway so Javon Washington is like mm-hmm. the only dude I know that is regularly following up with anyone who comes to his church like Javon I can't, we want you on the podcast yeah Just Javon you're dope we were team. already planning on asking <laughs> you you're super dope man DCC anyway uh, <laughs> sorry no no <laughs> Edit it out. You guys have control of everything. <laughs> no, just, just keep going. <laughs> anyway, just keep going. A, I'm not good at editing. DC so. Comics. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway. Um, no, so this dude, like, me and my wife were thinking about going there for a while after. So I did a church plant residency with church. Things got funky. Didn't end well. Um, so we were kind of thinking what we're going to do next. That's when we started thinking about seminary. All this kind of stuff. And so we were talking with him. Um, 
And so we went and visited a couple times. Tim and I had talked about maybe working together, church playing together. And, like, he still follows up with me, like, every month or two months. Like, he'll just give me a call and just not even asking, like, hey, do you want to come back? Dude. Just like, yeah. hey, man, how are you doing? Let me pray for you. Dude. All the time. That's amazing. So he's just super legit. Yeah. And I know he's doing that with all the people that are yeah. going there. That All the people he has contact with, he's doing that with. Um, and so just, like, something that simple from what I've experienced is really lacking in the area. Yeah. Like just even a text regularly. Yeah. You know, you're making me think I've seen a lot of pastors be pastors in a very like they they have the front in front of the curtain is the preaching and the like church programs and classes. Behind the curtain, quietly, is the dealing with depression, suicidal ideation, uh, you know, assault, uh, you know, the 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 raw stuff that really does plague urban uh, urban areas in this country yeah and it almost feels like the stigmas around mental health issues which are so common because i mean honestly most cities in this country have quite a lot of wealthy people even if you're not wealthy you still have a lot of free time so your struggles actually tend to be very psychological in nature not to belittle anyone's material struggles right but just the reality of uh, this country Mm. um the I wonder if those same stigmas generally about struggles in in Seattle you gotta keep it to yourself don't talk to anyone on the bus the Seattle freeze apply or, or seep into our pastoring and that pushing against that maybe we haven't seen enough examples of it maybe we don't know exactly what that because Javon brings you know his own style his own approach that isn't really Seattle-ish, I would say. Is he from here? Uh, I think he's from California. Huh? But he's been here for like a long time. He's always struck me as as determinedly, um, I'm gonna use the word extroverted, nothing yeah. against introverts, I am one. Yeah. But in his pastoring, it's, it's that I'm gonna lay down my time. Yeah, he's outward focused. Yeah. And so that just made me think of another guy, the only other dude not from the area. Started at zero, now you got two. Yeah, I got two that I've ever met. That's like seems like a legit pastor. This old dude, uh, Stuart Bell, and he's playing yeah. a church in downtown Seattle. And he's just like, so he le- legitimately, this is what he does with his hours. I want you to go ask your pastor what he does with his hours <laughs> and see if it lines up. And if it doesn't, go to Stuart's church. Anyway, uh, he walks around downtown Seattle. And goes and talks to people. Mm. That's what he does. Yeah. Goes and talks to people. Goes to the same places, talks to the same people, and then stirs up conversations, stirs up friendships, mm. and then starts sharing the gospel. It's like a better form of um, like street evangelism. Yeah. Well, he's legit like just trying to make friends. But, mm. yeah. Like genuinely, he's trying to make friends with people. Yeah, Ray introduced me to him one time at a conference, and I only talked, or I only talked to him for a second, but I witnessed him talking to Ray and Kristen for a bit, and uh, within a couple minutes, he was he was praying for him. He was, wow. he, you know, Kristen was crying, bawling her eyes out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, the dude just <laughs> he seemed to care. He had a, like a level of intensity that, in many people men love the, the his level of intensity could be used towards like maybe yeah. aggression but it's just like a level of intensity that's towards care yeah and yeah, not like, like manipulative yeah. it's 
it just like in the couple moments that I met him, yeah. it was I was like, all right, I can yeah. see why Ray was talking about this guy. He's, yeah, he's and cool. he's and the thing he does it in a way that's like I think everyone receives it as genuine. You know, because he probably is. He, yeah, it seems like he is genuine about it. You know, it doesn't seem like this is like, all right, I'm in, I'm at pastor hours right now, so mm. I got to go out and act like I care about people. But he like legitimately cares. How do you so, you want to be a pastor? Right? Yeah, uh, you're going to seminary in Mississippi. How do you balance demands of family, right? A prioritization of family with being a pastor because I think for a lot of pastors who who follow that sort of like you know they're qualified for leaders because they're really good husbands and fathers right but but then like maintaining that qualification for being an elder also means you're like juggling family and other people yeah yeah I think you just have to work harder hmm. so if you like not many of you should presume yeah but what's your like average week hours? I don't know how much you work. I don't even know you do. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean it varies anywhere from forty to sixty on a bad okay. day. So forty's national average, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm at a job right now where I probably work like sixty a week. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of pastors that are putting in sixty. Well, we should take a poll. There could be a ton that are. We're probably all going to listen to this. But what like, are they putting hey, yeah. in? But I would want to ask how much that time is spent on Facebook. What do you mean? Or advertising? Literally like just sh- sitting at a desk, scrolling through Facebook. Being bored on social media? Yep. Wow, you do not think highly of very many pastors, <laughs> do you? I don't, because I've seen some things. <laughs> or because you're... That's my beer. Uh, <laughs> cooler. <Yeah. laughs> Recharge. Hold on a sec. <laughs> There we go. Uh, <laughs> no, so that was super hipster. That was great. Yeah. All right. That's let me ask, let, let me ask then. Yeah. So in the seven churches that you've you know been around, yeah. You know the two guys excluding. Why do you think they? I mean, they're pastors. They are pastors. They're ordained by by the Holy Spirit through means of people. Yeah. They're pastors. Don't laugh. Uh, hold on let's just side note if you're not doing your job description are you what you say you are right, let's keep going <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. ignore that yeah, you just keep going then. we're getting rid what, of Ray what? in this city <laughs> I'm what, getting forced I mean, what, why why do you think why do you think they aren't like they're pay like these they're they're pastors that's their job but you, yeah. when you say Seattle's pastor list mm. why are pastors yeah Making their churches pastor list. Yeah, What's yeah. taking their time? What's what are they what are they doing? If they're not caring like Javon and Stuart Bell, yeah, yeah. like like you know, you said they are preaching most of the time. They are yeah. they do care, but like yeah. what, what's going on? Yeah, so I, they're preaching and coordinating. I feel like. Hmm. So what? It's so like a lot of uh, so a lot of the churches focus right now. Like so, a lot of church planting focus is we got to get people in the door, right? Which yeah. To build a church you need people to come and so the theory is that if we have enough touch points with people through different events we do throughout the city we can get them to start coming to our church and so pastors are taking on the role of a party planning coordinator rather than the role of being a pastor of a church so they have they have five people and they feel this urgency of all right I got bills to pay 
I need to build a church. I don't want to be a failure, which are all legit, like, concerns, mm-hmm. right? Like, God cares about those things for that guy. Yeah. But in those concerns, he's thinking so much about, I got to get people in the door. He's not thinking about who he has in the building already. Mm-hmm. Not pouring into those people, yeah. which is actually what is going to build the church. Because all those people are already connected to people that aren't going to your church. Right, because pastoring is equipping the saints the flock for the of work God of the among ministry. you, right? Or yeah, yeah like among you. Like, yeah. So, so you're saying there's a neglect of those among you in order to envision who might come. Yeah. Are you discouraged overall about the church in Seattle? Uh, I would say no, because I think. <laughs> I think we could change it. And by we, I mean me and Zane. <laughs> oh my dude, get out of here! We're moving to Mississippi. We hey, I told you, man. <laughs> I'm very arrogant. Are you, uh, do, you, do you plan on moving back to Seattle? That's my hope. That's my prayer, dream. That is what we want to do. But I totally understand that that might never happen. You should probably be careful what you say on this podcast. Yeah. To the city of Seattle. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So you yeah. think you could change it? You think? No, I don't think I could. I think there's. Not just you, but how yeah. would it get changed? Bring I I think the biggest thing is bringing legitimate pastors, not to the city, but that are already here. So another huge issue is that a lot of I honestly only know I don't know any pastor that is from this area. Mm-hmm. Not a single one. You guys might, but I I literally know. Yeah, Marcus, I know Marcus one guy from, from Bellingham. Bellingham. So he gets it. But that's it. Yeah. You're saying there's a lot of people coming here trying yeah. to influence a, yeah. a city. Maybe because it's really attractive to the challenge, right? So church planning is like... Arrogant men. The, yeah. Guys like, guys like me who yeah. are very arrogant and proud and think they can come to a city and change it by themselves. Yeah. Because, I'm air quoting, because the Holy Spirit has the power to do that, but... They really think it's my preaching can save this city. Um, Are in Texas thinking all those heathens up there need to hear about Jesus, and I'm gonna come up and I'm gonna get them. I can't edit that. Get out of here! I can't change your accent. I'm just telling you, that's what's going on, right? So they hear this region of the country, like we're saying. You're a Dallas Cowboys fan. I love the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) All right, just Just sign Zeke. I don't understand what we're even doing right now. Anyway, (laughs) makes no sense. I don't understand what we're talking about. (laughs) That's all right, too. It's probably better. Um, Okay, so for the church planner, right? The the egotistical, like, macho church plant guy, the stereotypical guy who's going to plant a church. The idea of it's way harder up there. Makes him be like, oh, yeah. Because mm. a lot of us are younger dudes. Yeah. So we have a chip on our shoulder. We want to prove ourselves. You don't think people are ever like, I feel called to go to that city? I think it's both. I don't think they're ever one or the other. Mm. So I think the dudes that come up here are genuine. Mm. I think the guys bringing them up here are doing them a huge disservice. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think anyone like should... Like, as a strategy. Yeah. So, so particularly, most of the churches I know are from the Southern Baptist Convention. And most Southern Baptist church planters are coming from the South. Hmm. And the dudes from the South are not equipped to have a conversation with people in Seattle. So let's talk about that. What's different between Seattle and the South? Yeah. So 
Because you lived in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. So I was talking to a lady from Mississippi who was assisting in my vasectomy a couple of, <laughs> couple of months ago, right? Ray and, has uh, three, three kids under three and a yeah, half Yeah, three years under old. three. Anyone's getting snipped out. So Ray had his last kid four months ago. Clearly, he got on it's, top of it. It was time to go. You can't we have that happen. We were going to keep this G-rated. <laughs> You cut, you cut it out, man. We Come on, beer and vasectomies? Come on. I'm sorry. I'm a heathen from Seattle. We were mostly I, need, there. I need a Southern Baptist preacher to go. We were mostly concerned about swearing. Ray keeps finding other ways. <laughs> you got to push the boundaries. Oh, <laughs> uh, What was I even saying? Okay, okay. so this lady. Yeah, 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 so like I'm talking to this lady. And she's from Mississippi, right? Um, and and she like, was so Jesus. No, I didn't say anything. I didn't even tell her. I think her and Kristen started talking. But anyway, she, she was saying one of the things that was hardest for her coming up here is that no one has asked her where she goes to church and she was like but in mississippi that's like one of the first things we talk about with people even if you actually don't live it yeah oh yeah that doesn't matter but for for the point of the the pastor guy coming up here to plant from his like cultural understanding his surrounding he's experienced that it's a given that people talk about what church they go to. Mm. That's the norm, right? Church is a normal part yeah. of their life. And here, when I tell dudes I want to be a pastor at my job right now, they think I want to go. They literally say I want to study Harry Potter for a living and become <laughs> a wizard. <laughs> like, it is a complete joke to them. Like, yeah. not even it's registers. True. Or if I tell them, I go, hey, you want to come to church on Sunday? Mm. They say words that I'm not allowed to say on this podcast. It is the most awkward <laughs> question to ask you. I remember growing up how many times I would hear a sermon about, you know, living as a Christian the other six days of the week. And I would just listen to that and be like, I don't know anyone who, like, goes to church and doesn't. Hmm. That was a totally foreign concept for me. I grew up in Redmond. I grew yeah. up here uh, right outside of Seattle. Went to Westminster Chapel in Bellevue mm. until I was 18 years old. Um, went to college, went to Mars Hill a little bit, and then Grace Church in Capitol Hill. Then Mars Hill, then Grace Church. Um, and I Is that know, Grace Prez? Yeah. Okay. And I don't know how many sermons I heard like that. So many. And it never clicked hmm. why people were bringing that up. It's not a Seattle thing. Yeah. Either you, you that Honestly, I think that 40% religiously unaffiliated is this city being honest. Yeah. If anything, it has going for it. If people aren't Christians, they don't say. Yeah, well, they they're are. not marginalized for it. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not an outcast for not being a Christian here. That's true. Which, I love that. Yeah. That's I mean, I love that about things. Seattle. So I love when dudes at work call me an idiot yeah. for being a Christian. <laughs> that's just fuel to the fire. Like, that's exciting. It's a, it's a conversation story. Yeah. So is that the key difference, you feel like, then, is that um, there's something more transparent about your personal religiosity here in Seattle than Mississippi and part of that means church is just not a normal part of life for a lot of people yeah so I think for the guy who, who's coming here where church is the norm it's spiritually more exhausting for him when he realizes it's not the norm mm-hmm. for someone who's like conditioned for that already mm-hmm. it's just like legitimately exactly like the weather up here so there's church planners I've talked to who, are, who come up here and they're here for like six months and they're like thinking about leaving because it's dark. It's dark. Yeah. Mm. Low it's clouds. like gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. I totally get because when we were in Cambodia every day I was just like, it is way too hot. 
<laughs> like, and I'm surrounded by people like less than two percent know Jesus in the mm-hmm. in the country, right? And so I'm surrounded by people that don't know Jesus, and I'm just sitting there thinking about how hot it is. I'm so sweaty right now. <laughs> Eternal things on the line. Yeah. I'm way too sweaty to stay here. Like that's what I'm thinking about. And so there's like there's these things that we don't think about. We over spiritualize church planning, I think, mm. and we're under we underutilize resources that are already there. Zane's turning on the the fan or the light the light thank you Um, yeah it was getting dark um so I think we we underestimate like what we're used to and being transported out of that Hmm. and we we think so I think dudes who come up here from the south should I think they should come I just think they need a lot of training yeah they should they should go apprentice at a church for like two years at least what advice would you give to someone wanting to plant a church here just come up and live here okay before you start pastoring yeah. before you start thinking about ministry don't like, even be in ministry just live here go to a church live here get a here. job here like will SBC pay you for that though no no so you just gotta do it on yeah. your own dime screw your own SBC time. they don't okay so and this, I'm so guilty of this but making Church planting decisions based on finances is yeah. idiotic. Yeah. Because yeah. you're gonna going into it, you're just relying on finances. Yeah. So if the finances are pulled, what are you gonna do? So then you're gonna you, dip out. So are you all about bivocational? No. If you can get the money, get it. But from a church, but yeah. But okay. go. Don't. Yeah. So if you, like go. if you're gonna transplant. I would say for anyone, like if I'm going to go church plant in Texas, I think the transition might be simpler, but. Because you somehow have a Texas twang already. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, where did you get that? My, my wife thinks it's because all the rap I listen to. I don't know. Still doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it's just a lot of hours, man. You just start picking stuff up. If you like the Dallas Cowboys, you will develop. Even if you've been a Pacific Northwest guy your whole life, you will somehow sound like you're from the South. You know, I think that just means we should send Ray to Texas to see what happens to influence the SBC in their view of Seattle. That would never listen. We got some. We got some. There's some guys in the SBC. But okay, so you're you're going to Mississippi then? Yeah, you're going to Mississippi. You're going to to, not the church plant though. No, no, no. But. You're a Christian in Mississippi. Yeah. How do you cut through the BS? Cut just, the, just do that. How do you evangelize? How do you be on mission? How do you deal with I Christians? I don't know. So this was the the one the biggest thing that made me not want to go to seminary. While we were visiting, we were talking to a couple, and the girl is from Ontario, 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 Canada, Canada. She yeah. speaks <laughs> French, so can't say the city. It's just this. <laughs> it's big a big place city in us. Canada, but I mean, come on. Um, and she was saying like you can't find someone that's not a believer so like every, I, I said that not a believer in air quotes for people mm. listening like everyone down in Mississippi says they're a Christian is going to church somewhere like has their home church whether they've gone this year or not yeah. like they grew up in that church that's where they're affiliated with and everyone's a Christian down there supposedly. are people just not asking the right questions like do you follow Jesus instead of are you a believer or do you go to church? I think that they're asking what church do you go to? Mm. That's the wrong question. Yeah, 100%. And so I think for the genuine among us, and not that they're not, they just might 
like I'm saying, some of them, I'm so sure much of the country has never had a pastor. Mm-hmm. Like so many people have never been taught That's true. to understand what they even believe. Pastors aren't reading Reformed pastors by yeah. Baxter. Hundred <laughs> percent. There. Wait, wait, wait. What is this reference? Richard the greatest Baxter book. <laughs> wrote a book, Reformed Pastor, and basically just says like, "Go visit your people." Yeah. I'm gonna. That, he says. Be, he says, "Know where your people are at spiritually." Like he, yeah. he basically said, if you don't know how to be praying for them specifically, you're not pastoring them. So basically, Ray and I would agree with him. Think pastoral visits are not a thing of the past. Yeah. And not a thing to be replaced by Facebook or even email or though if you were intentional with email it would yeah, be a lot better 100%. Than, yeah it would be better than how do you pull that off in a city like Seattle where people are simultaneously so conscientious of safety around church stuff as in I don't know if I want this dude in my home yeah. I have kids yeah. I heard about this thing yeah, with yeah. the Catholic church mm. and so cold to I mean most people here I think would punch someone who randomly showed up to say hello and drop off something and talk. Yeah, right. yeah. So that's not what Richard Baxter talks about doing. Okay. It's not like random door-to-door. All right. It's for the people in your church knowing where they're at. But I think, so I think, are you asking more like a missional approach to the region? You, I just, how do you contextualize that advice to yeah. Seattle? Yeah, yeah. I think to Seattle, it's like Stuart Bell, genuinely caring. Mm. And becoming someone's friend. So, like, the dudes at work I've been talking about that, like, make fun of me and all that good stuff, whatever. Like, I've been to their houses. We hang out outside of work. Like, we've become friends. And so, when I ask them the weird, awkward question, they might just be like, dude, F you, shut up. Hmm. But there's still a a friendship basis there. And so, I think for... So, you can maintain that relationship and even cash in on the, the... Yeah. And I can say stuff... Anyway, I can say stuff that, that that pushes them into awkward situations, just like they do me. So I think as much as they like blatantly sin in front of me, I can blatantly be a Christian in front of them. Yeah, hmm. you know, I can yeah. be as awkward, like as awkward as they make That's me feel. Good. I'm allowed to be that awkward to them. That's a crucial attitude, I think, because I think a lot of Christians, you know, have this fear of getting sucked into sin by being in proximity with sinners. Yeah. See where we're going with that one, right? Like we we worship a God who came down to be a human and literally sought out sinners, yeah. brought them to his dinner yeah. table, and just had meals with them. Yeah, and unlike me, stayed pure. Doing yeah, it. right. But mm-hmm. ditto. I think so. I think a a fear of sinning to not evangelize is just what is the word for just completely idiotic because <laughs> by not evangelizing you're sinning mm. right so by saying I can't go hang out with these guys after work because I'm going to be tempted to have one too many beers mm. let's, let's unpack you use the word evangelize a couple yeah. times right and I think that's a really loaded word yeah right What what is evangelism you know you're talking about like relational evangelism but you're also talking about just, just spell that out, like, what yeah. it means. So, why, why is there an imperative? Yeah. So evangelism being sharing the gospel verbally and inviting people to believe. And so what I think, this is why I'm saying I think for people who want to be up here, need to come live here for a while, 
It's because it takes time to learn how to just be friends with someone in a way where you can share the gospel and them still talk to you afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like even for the people who aren't from here but move to Seattle that aren't Christians, like they're coming for something that Seattle has, right? This culture of like inclusivity, this culture of be whatever you want, like all these things. And for the dude coming from the church from the South or from wherever, I mean, I've never met any guy from not from the South, but um, coming up here to plant, he's just not used to that culture yet. Mm-hmm. He's not used to the people that Seattle draws and attracts yet. And so I think he can get used to that. He can learn that, but that they need to take time to do that. So if, if you can't get to the point where you're able to have like a lesbian couple over who's both been burned by the church and be able to share Jesus with them and then still talk to you afterwards. Yeah. This probably isn't the mission field for you. Mm. I've seen that. But that that. takes time to get there is what I'm saying. Like you have to learn that over time. So I've seen, I haven't, I haven't known you well enough, but I mean, Zane, you have literally lived out like that exact thing for years and years. Uh, even through like prison terms with certain friends and, um, I think that's super true. There's, yeah. And so I, I think what it is is there's like, and Zane, you can touch on this, but there's like, I think a spiritual like callousing that needs to happen for the mm-hmm. Christian in the area. Yeah. Where when someone like says something offensive to the Christian, they're able to just let it roll off their back. Absolutely. Because totally. if we're so hyper like, oh, that's unbiblical, that's unbiblical, that's simple, you shouldn't say that, you shouldn't yeah. do this, like, no one's going to. Yeah. Well, I mean, for example, like when I got hired on at my current work, current job, uh, the lady that vouched for me to get hired apparently let the management and the owners know that I was a Christian. And so when they hired me, heads up, when they hired me in Seattle, we got one of these guys. Will you get outed (laughs) for your faith? Yeah, for being a Christian. At a job. So before I was there, the owners went down and talked to everyone in the crew. The people people at the job would be like, hey, we don't want to get sued. This dude's a Christian. Like, no gay jokes. And, you know, I know that now because now I've gotten past some of those relationships with those people. That now they laugh at that and they yeah. and we joke around and uh, I mean honestly, I probably go too far in crassness and yeah. and in in like maybe not being the greatest Christian witness in the other direction sometimes, but like we've built this this relationship between me and the other people where they know I'm a Christian. I know they're not. We can joke back and forth. We can make fun of each other. But there's also the reality and the seriousness of when I talk to them about Christ, when yeah. I when I challenge them, when they challenge me on stuff, it the the relationship's not broken. Yeah. But but someone coming from another culture would be the kind of person that my work would fear. Yeah. In some ways, of of not being calloused enough to to just all of a sudden call like, oh no, like I'm being persecuted. Like, um, yeah. If you're a Christian here, you cannot go to HR <laughs> and be like, that is it. They sent some group text photos yeah, yeah, that yeah. I did not appreciate. You you have no backup. Yeah. You know, so um, you probably know this about me, right? But I performed poetry, slam poetry, right? And had a lot of experiences at slams that kind of fit with what we're talking about. One in particular where I performed a poem that was basically like, 
you know, the Bible says, Jesus basically told the Pharisees, anyone gets to come to dinner. That means LGBTQ community gets to come to dinner, yeah. right? So it was specifically about that topic. It was hard for non-Christian, people who didn't have a Christian background to comprehend the, like, I was being kind of sardonic at a couple points, and, and there's a lot of rhetoric that I kind of regretted later. So I got literally, uh, people were, I won the slam, and that poem was in it. And afterwards, I was just super cold shoulder, and I was really confused. And then later, they said I got called out on Facebook by like 20 oh. different people. Super intense experience. Had phone calls with a couple of them who were really gracious and like helped me process it. And they weren't Christians. One was a lesbian, the other was trans. You know, like they're just helping me process like yeah. getting called out by like a group of people that I was like hoping to build connections to. Yeah. Right? One of them I talked to, and she literally said, um, all I hear is hate. I try to explain. Mm. Uh, you know, all I hear is hate, and, and literally, I don't ever want to talk to you again. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, but here, but here's what's fascinating. The, the, it was not hard for me to understand. Like, oh man, my language was off. I could have made that clearer what yeah. I was saying, right? And I took total responsibility for that, and I still feel strongly that I should have. Yeah. Christians, pretty much not from Seattle, but some in Seattle, had a really hard time with me owning my responsibility in yeah. communication. Yeah. Saying things like, you shouldn't have to explain yourself, the gospel was clear, like... Yeah. But was I loving my neighbor in how I presented the gospel? Always love my neighbor yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the thing. It's like... I, and this is, again, this is with all church planning. Like, there's a confrontational reality behind it, Right. Your whole vision, like, I literally talked to dudes that are like, their whole vision of coming up here is like s <laughs> seeing this dead, dark, spiritual place mm -hmm. come to life, mm -hmm. right? Which, on one side, that's true, and on one side, it's like, dude, it's not all dead. Mm -hmm. Like, there's already a ton of Christians up here, mm -hmm. and you're just assuming there's none coming up because you heard some stat on yeah some a29 podcast it's or whatever. 40 percent religiously unaffiliated that's not even the majority yeah <laughs> zade's died <laughs> rain is just like little jabs i just say what i'm thinking man <laughs> For those really you, it's because you called me non-confrontational beforehand so i feel like i have to yeah yeah so those of you not watching bit. the live streams and just slapped me in the face with his hat yeah the, the bill of the hat too <laughs> yeah so, uh, i have no idea what i said not important well confrontational but, reality yeah. church planning so if you come up with a with a confrontational mindset um without having the capability of having, having that ability to adapt to love people that are in a life circumstance you've never experienced like a homeless trans guy like without having experienced that and having that sympathy of man i used the wrong pronoun mm. to be able to talk to this guy mm -hmm. and without yeah. being willing to be like i should adjust my pronoun mm. that's not hard to do <laughs> i don't think jesus is too worried that like <laughs> yeah you know hey ray you well called, done good and faithful you called him or her yeah that, i'm just i'm not comfortable with that yeah yeah no i'm with you there's very much a sense of why not play the rhetoric game not to yeah. be fake but to to show respect yeah well and there's so there's that the reality of jesus talking to the woman at the well mm. and his apostles coming up like dude what are you doing 
Mm, yeah. You're not supposed to talk to her. Purely a cultural imposition. Yeah. Right. And Jesus yeah. is like, I don't follow those rules. Okay, so I want to hear you guys' thoughts on this because I ask Kristen this all the time. Um, if. Wait, if, who's uh, the host here? I'm just kidding. I am, I am now, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Okay. This is like too extreme, but I'm just going to say it just for the shock factor. So obviously no one's doing this, but do you think it would be missionally appropriate for you to drive down Aurora Avenue, uh, find a prostitute, and take her to lunch? No. And why not? I think there's a, a whole other element, a whole other dynamic that happens there. Yeah. You're a dude, alone in a car. I mean, if you get smart about it, you're True. Not alone. So both of you together drive down Aurora. Bring a woman. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. It it's it's not even just like oh people will see you. It's like oh what will she think, right? What has she experienced? Speaking of, of contextualizing for her sake, mm-hmm. right? what has she experienced the time two dudes picked her up, right? Or even just one dude and said like hey like there's already I mean with the pronoun thing there's baggage yeah. attached to in, in interaction and you gotta respect the history that is probably there if just with a little bit of thought right but I mean clearly she's going to have like a a frame of reference of what two guys picking her up is going to be and it's not gonna be good but what if you flip that what if it's shattered? What if what yeah. what if that frame of reference is shattered by two and she's guys, getting an hour off? Yeah, two guys just giving talk. her an hour off, treating her to to you know lunch, treating her with respect, sharing the gospel of the Jesus who loves her in spite of all that's all that not, number one in spite of all that she's done. But actually, probably more important, in a Jesus who will redeem her in spite of all that's been done to her. Look, so pause, quick side note. I'm not advocating that we actually do this. Yeah, no. But I'm saying wrestling with that question yeah. of like, okay, is that legit? Is that just a cultural thing that's stopping no, people think, from going and sharing the gospel? In that I way? think it's the wrong question. Yeah, there are are people who are more appropriate than us. To accomplish that same task, sure. all the things you guys are saying are good. Yeah. Amanda Hightower yeah, yeah. from Rest, yeah. Real Escape from the Also, why are you on the podcast? Kristen, <laughs> Kristen used to do Rest. That's what makes yeah. me think about because she right. would walk down Aurora and yeah. try and talk to these ladies. So. Absolutely, dude. What's what are you doing here? Let's get Kristen She's on. This way thing. better to be talking. Let's get Kristen on this. Yeah. Um, for real though. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they're very firm on like only women can do the street outreach. Right? Yeah, only women can do the bikini. Yeah. Part of it is to so that we're not stupid, right? I mean, we're you know you said you said it earlier, right? We're not guilty of falling into traps that uh, we're naturally inclined to. I'm not saying that would necessarily be a trap we fall into. Just there's just a lot of unnecessary uh, confusions we add yeah. by by setting it up this yeah. way. When instead, it if we have a church that's coordinated. Right in its mission and its desire to minister to certain groups of people, we can send out people who are better fit. And women are amazing evangelists. We don't need men. So that's like if you're doing men just because you feel like men are the only one that can evangelize. So I'm not talking about a ministry. 
But just like in general, like I'm just talking about someone. You and I are out. Yeah. And we're just like, hey, let's go get lunch. And you're like, or, you know what? Like, you pull yeah. over, you roll the window down, this and you super say, super sketchy, but like, you know <laughs> what? Let's no, pick up a frost suit and take her to yeah. lunch. You pull over, you roll the window down, and you say, do you need some food? Yeah. I will go pick it up and bring it back here. That's better. I would love to talk. I don't think that's even better. It's not showing because I don't think she's treated as a neighbor right there. She's treated as I, I can't be seen sitting down with you. Mm. You stop on the street and you talk, yeah. but but that's like buying a homeless guy food at the grocery store and then bringing it to him. What's wrong with that? Why would you not take him into your house and feed him dinner? Ooh. I think that's great, but this is where often people. The cultural <laughs> I'm just saying a lot, but but not everyone. I think you're making a lot of assumptions about the people you'd be talking to. Not everyone's comfortable with going with a stranger somewhere. Yeah, I, I promise you there's a lot of homeless dudes that would come inside your house. I'm sure there are. I have asked people, certain yeah. people, and they have said no. And some will say, yeah, keep asking, dude. That's sick. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think, again, I'm not saying, hey, dudes, after this, there's legit, there's prostitutes right around the corner. Like, we could go take them to dinner. I'm not saying let's go do that, all right? Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, being willing to ask the questions of like, okay, is this like just a cultural standard that we're afraid to push against? Like Jesus talking to prostitutes. Hmm. Obviously, he was doing yeah. it a different way. He's God. He's <laughs> not gonna sin. Like, um, but like, are we willing to stretch that bound? Like, can you be? Could could you be friends with a stripper? Yeah. Hmm. You know that. Like just that kind of stuff. There is a real sense in which we do need to find ways to break down the socioeconomic and hierarchical like classism that yeah. that is present. Because so America. what what I push against is you when you mention a church having a ministry to reach these people, hmm. which I don't. So that's something I'm hesitant towards is churches having ministries for evangelism rather than. Mm. Just it being like an organic part. being evangelist, mm. like that's a Christian. Well, maybe then the thing to do is is pastors need to be equipping people with specific scenarios, yeah. right? Like, here's our recommendation based on our experience, based on talking to experts. Yeah, and I think like what you're saying, like I, sh- I should not get in a car with a prostitute. No, it's not wise no. for me. But with my with my past, my temptations, like it's just not wise situation to put myself in but my wife and I could and that could work out yeah. freaking great yeah. yeah I'm much more for that yeah but I'm just saying just for uh, like these are the kind of situations that Seattle church planners yeah. Christians pastors need to be thinking through because right. those are the yeah. people like that's the people we're trying to reach yeah. right okay so this I'm going to loop this back in something I was thinking about but I didn't get into but like the whole Joshua Harris thing, like his book, he later recanted his book. And the reason was is because he had a fear-based understanding of sin. Like, so I don't want to lust. I don't want to have premarital sex so badly that I'm going to remove dating from the equation so I don't sin. Yeah. So it's this fear of sin. Like, which you said earlier, which, which is remind me of. This. In all seriousness, I'm all for arranged marriages, but keep going. <laughs> no, I am too. <laughs> Dude, I don't even know. I'm just, saying, say I'm just saying, man. You keep going, though. That's a long conversation. Yeah, we can okay, do another okay. pod a year from now about that. Okay. 
But just fear of sin and setting up yeah. boundaries with the with the with the prostitute. Yeah. That's exactly where is what that, I'm asking. Where yeah. is that wise and where is that yeah. that starting to set up I kiss dating goodbye? Yeah. Because then you just rule out dating because I'm so afraid of premarital sex. Yeah. I'm so afraid of sin that I I'm just gonna rule out like things that might be wise, might be beneficial yeah. because I'm afraid of sin. Yeah. So do you rule out evangelism to to a prostitute lady because you're so afraid of sin? It brings in the Billy Graham rule. Do I ever am I ever alone right. with a woman right. because I'm so afraid yeah. of oh, sin? That's a great link. Right. And then even even this week, Ray and I were talking about how we are so afraid of because we've seen pastors, so many pastors. Yeah. Get, give into that temptation. Give yeah. into temptation because they get fame, they get money, yeah. they get praise, and in various different ways they give away to it. So Ray and I were talking about how we are fearful of ever wanting to be a pastor and ever getting any sort of recognition because of what that could bring. So just like the thing we're doing a podcast. Yeah, I know, dude. I thought about it. I hate it. Good thing it will only be our moms <laughs> listening to it. If that, um, yeah. yeah, if that. Well, yeah, that's true. My mom probably. Um, They'll see how long it's. Might be seven minutes. <laughs> Sorry, bud. <laughs> Maybe that's too broad. But just yeah. the idea okay. of like. No, but I think that fear. question, and that's exactly what I'm hitting at. Is like, are we going to? Yeah, is fear going to rule us, or is obligation going to rule us? And I mean, I mean, I mean, obligation in a good, joyful, like John 15 way. I'm hearing this question though, and I'm thinking like. And, and I do want to hear what John 15 says because I have no idea what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> how do you? T- I would rephrase the question: to How do you tell when you're acting out of fear of sin or fear of God? Yeah, yeah. Be- that's good. Because I have no idea. it is we are fear-driven beings. Yeah. Period. Yeah, fear of the Lord is a good thing. Exactly. And like Psalm something says, and we don't want to sin. Like His right, grace should- leads into fear. Yeah. Yeah, and but, we should actively not try to sin. Yeah. But like, where does fear of sin become become legalism? Yeah. Where does fear of sin become like anti mission? Yeah, you just huddle yourself. In Which a is corner. the debate Jesus had about, uh, you know, like, hey, Jesus, the Old Testament says she sinned, she gets stoned. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I wrote that law, and he's from Texas too. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it, man. I'm talking now I get it. <laughs> oh man, it's getting late. Um, yeah, and I'm gonna break my own law. Um, but it ultimately, bringing it back to the being a pastor here and confronting situations like this regularly. Yeah. How do you live in that? Hey, we're honestly not many Christians, or you know, there are Christians here, but there's honestly not a lot of them. Majority, or or there's a lot of people who are not. Which means just a lot more transparently sinful context. Rather than like the South, what I know of it is people go into their homes and they do the bad stuff and then they come out and look good and go to church, right? And they hide it. Yeah. Whereas here, even us Christians have beer making on podcasts, so we don't hide it. If that's simple. I know. I literally had people, so I performed that, uh, that one poem about. LGBTQ community yeah. to come to dinner too and in the beginning I say something about Jesus having Jesus would have a beer in a gay bar because yeah. he totally would definitely would because uh, he had wine with prostitutes <clears throat> enough said 
a church that I performed that at literally told me they wish they had heard the poem before. So they wouldn't have let you. me yeah. perform it because Jesus wouldn't drink beer. Yeah. Wine, beer. Help me understand. Grapes, yeah. hops. Like Wine's really, got more alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> like, Higher percent, man. A really fine line. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It was a diversion, but... No, I think it's spot on because it's, it's that same question of the, the greatest question ever. What would Jesus do? Right? <laughs> oh yeah. Just man. don't make it an acronym. He would he question. would pick up the prostitute and he'd take her to lunch. He'd probably have twelve dudes with him. Like he's doing it in such a way that it's It's like uh, a clown car. Yeah. He's doing it in such a way that it's above reproach, which I think is is the question we're asking. Like how do we get into sketchy situations and remain mm. above reproach? Absolutely. Because Jesus all he did was go into sketchy situations. Like even going to eat with the Pharisees for the people outside, the marginalized are like, dude, why are you eating with them? Mm. Right. Like, these are the guys that are putting the, the heavy burdens on our back and oppressing us. Right. And that are working for Rome just to get cash. And so even to to the marginalized, Jesus is doing the thing that's offensive to them. Don't you get the sense from the stories about Jesus so often, though, that he kind of ends up in these situations more than seeks them out? No, I think he planned them from before the creation of the world. That's so. probably true. But just as far as we can make him an example for ourselves, yeah. right? There's well, that's this, my point exactly. I think he's He gets planned. invited to dinner yeah. by Nicodemus, right? Yeah. Not Nicodemus. Uh, well, he does. Um, there's another it's time. Timing. Yeah. Right? I don't know what that is. Um, but it's timing. So if you find your, that's, so that maybe that's what I'm at. If you find yourself in that sketchy situation... What's the appropriate response? Mm. Mm. So you're on the corner of the street. A pimp comes over and says, "Hey, I'm having a house party. Do you want to come?" I'm going. There you go. Maybe. <laughs> I'm probably going. Depends on when Taylor's expecting you. <laughs> what does the pimp look like? A sketchy dude. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, so one of the questions we wanted to make sure we got to is basically, yeah. like, what should the church as a whole in Seattle stop doing, but also what should the church as a whole in Seattle start doing? And I feel like yeah. we've kind of been addressing this in some ways, where you're, you're getting at, like, the church should get its hands dirty. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Like, how does Seattle, how is the Seattle church staying too detached from the situations we're talking about? Yeah. Can you think of any specific examples? Yeah, so I think from my experience, again, limited, I, don't, I haven't been to every church here. Um, we are, churches tend to be very inwardly focused. So even like from top down, the focus is to build the church, mm. right? Which initially sounds like that's a good, good thing, right? Building God's kingdom is a good thing. But if you're so insularly focused, you can't do your goal even because you're not going outside the church you're not equipping people to go talk to their neighbor but let's host a huge barbecue at the park and try and get to meet some people hmm. but you've lived next to this person for 20 hmm. years yeah I hear what you're yeah. saying you know what I'm like, saying there's that Seattle freeze individualism neighborhoods are dead here right like you don't know your neighbors here yeah I don't know for any of you not in the Seattle area, if you move here, do not talk to your neighbor. I mean, what we're saying is that you yeah. should, but 
Yeah. It would be weird. Yeah. I I grew up in a neighborhood in Redmond. Knew like three of the people in the neighborhood. Yeah. My neighbors are awesome. I yeah, because like you talk to your neighbors. You knew your it's neighbors not that hard. before they moved in. Okay, but so that's the thing. Listen, listen. All the, all of, them. All of your neighbors cool. want you to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. People want Like, friends. deep down, they want that. But as, as like, just... I'm trying not to swear right now, so... <laughs> as just, like, hesitant, fearful Christians, we buy into this excuse of Seattle Freeze... Rather than smiling at someone and saying hello, yeah, right. And then after you do that five hundred times, maybe you have a conversation with that person, you know. Constantly initiating some form of contact with people you see regularly is exhausting, but and can be discouraging. But it's not impossible at all, and the, they want it. Mm-hmm. Like people want contact. Are there more lonely people in this city than we acknowledge? Is that kind of what we're getting at? They're all lonely. Mm-hmm. Especially because the majority are transplants. Yeah. So like, go are... to a coffee shop and ask yeah. each person where they're from. Yeah. 90% are not from Seattle. So we're putting the Seattle freeze on filter over people that aren't even used to it. Yeah. I uh, was walking back from the bus, second bus after a transfer on my route home has been rerouted this week so a lot of walking there's uh, this, this elderly woman who had a couple bags and she was waiting for like 20 minutes you know a, a few feet away from me for the bus and it was really warm and we get on the bus she gets off at my stop and she's walking and she's like really kind of slumping and so I asked like can I help carry your bags and she spoke in a a Colombian Swiss accent I cannot picture it. Yeah, I have no idea. It was tough. <laughs> I was like, I asked her, I was like, where's your Was she speaking from? in English, though? Yeah, it English was good cool. English. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, to your point, like, there's just... So many people. Yeah. More so now that Am- the Amazon boom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... So, I think that... So, for the church, things for the church to start doing, mm-hmm. just talk to people. It's really... It's not that hard. And this is bugs people or whatever but like introversion is not an excuse Mm. it's a so back to the john 15 the christian obligation is actually a joy so jesus says in john 15 Mm. something like 14 no 10 and 11 if you obey my commands my joy will be in you Mm. so not like human joy we're talking god's joy will be in us as we obey what he says to do probably even tenfold for the introvert like if if by the power of the Spirit they have the courage to talk to someone that they're terrified of talking to, and they continue in that discipline, the joy of Christ will be in them. So for Christians, like holding on to these little promises, I think is freaking huge. Because I can't say the number of times I've not wanted to talk about Jesus with people. Mm. But God brings that verse to mind, and it's like, okay, hey, this is for my joy. And every time mm. it's joyful. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and, if it is a trial for you to do to engage with your community, with the people around you, consider it pure joy. Yeah. Um, and you and it will be joyful. So that's the thing. I like. I don't like people. I don't like talking to people. I. So my wife and my mom and other people I go to church with and Zane, say or think I have like the, a gift for evangelism or whatever, which I think is total BS. 
because I don't enjoy it until it's over. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I do not enjoy doing that, but God's giving me the grace to make that a discipline. That so it's you have the gift of obedience. Of obedience, yeah. <laughs> you care to In obey. one particular yeah, yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. Not... <laughs> <laughs> Right, but because I've seen the fruit of it from, by God, like, allowing me to do it time and time again, I've seen the consistent fruit of, okay, I'm terrified to explain these tattoos I have on my hands, but I'm going to explain them because the dude just asked what it says, and so my right hand says, Jesus is God, right? You have to explain that to somebody. That's why I got it, because I don't (laughs) want to explain that to people. Like, you get it, so you have to talk about it, right? But I've seen time and time again how joyful it is in the midst of having that conversation and after that conversation. I'm like, okay, I trust you. I'm going to do this. Mm. But so I, that's my like my dream for other Christians is like, you don't need some crazy spiritual gift to talk about Jesus. It's just mm. do it. Yeah. And you'll see how joyful it is. And you'll see how little you get rejected and how often you make friends. Mm. Like, a lot of first conversations, like, my freaking roommate upstairs right now, our first conversation was me talking about Jesus, telling him he's probably going to hell and is not actually a Christian, even though he thinks he is, and now we're, like, super tight buddies. Yeah. Like, just, (laughs) that makes no sense. That should not happen. Yeah. Like, that's God's grace, right? And so, just the, I think we're so scared to put ourselves in these situations because we hear, like, weird stories that never actually happened of Mm. getting spit on or something. I mean, I'm sure that's actually happened, but... I've never been spit on. No. Um, no, you just no, get super gnarly. You're right. There's yeah. <laughs> in this city, or yeah, you get your 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 future boss. You Telling know, all your coworkers you're yeah. a Christian and don't talk to this guy. Right. We don't want to get sued, so <laughs> yeah, leave him alone. Uh, there's the simultaneous like wisdom in natives to this city or people who've been here a long time in terms of how to interact. And how to be real and, and, and be comfortable in really uncomfortable situations. But with it comes like a reticence, a coldness, a, a sluggishness around engaging and, and, and try, trying to make friends. Yeah. Well, like it might take years to get a guy to come visit your church. Hmm. Whereas in the South, you tell him, hey, I'm a church planner. Culturally, it's like, oh, cool, I'll come check it out. Yeah. You know? So it's more exhausting for that guy coming up of, man, I've invited this guy like 20 times. Mm-hmm. He says no every time. Yeah. Every community group, you know, I've ever been in, there's always like, every person has like that person that they're like, can we keep praying for my yeah. friend who I have been talking to for years? Yeah. Or, you know, I think they're getting close, right? That is a Seattle prayer. Yeah. I think they're getting close. It's freaking awesome. Because yeah. <laughs> then they finally do. Yeah. Yeah. But So the first thing was talk to people. The second thing I think of for the church, like for church members, for a church I already said, you need pastors. So church members take care of that. But uh, the second thing, like praying, mm. which is obvious, stupidest thing you can say, but so... <laughs> With people? Unfortunately. No, just like... Needed daily saying, God, let me share the gospel with someone today. Yeah, like God, save this dude or save this lady. Like, yeah, you're the only one who can do it. Mm. I can't explain the gospel in such a way that they're gonna be like, Yep, you're right. 
it's got to be God doing it. So constantly asking Him to do it and to put you in situations where you're either going to yeah. deny Him mm-hmm. or mm. be faithful to Him. And asking Him to yeah. do that, which is terrifying. Like, Because yeah. none of us want to share. I don't want to share the gospel. I mean, yeah. I want to, but I don't want to do that. Yeah, when I first became a Christian, like I was going through this this little couple week study in my Bible or whatever, and yeah. it had me praying for divine appointments. Like, yeah. you know, what? the the religious language aside, like I was praying for God to give me opportunities to share about Him. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And I was a brand new Christian, and I was probably much much less equipped than I am now, but I was having them more often. And also, I mean, that gets into that. I saw your eyes. We shouldn't be worried if we're equipped or not. Oh, no. I was, oh. My eyes were, this was also Cares Magazine, not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I was much more Cares Magazine. Yeah. However, <laughs> I still believe in a God who answers prayers. Yep. Like, I'll be as charismatic all day yeah, about, man. like, a good God yeah. who listens to my prayers, who answers my prayers, and to pray for opportunities yeah. is something that I used to do and I do a lot less now. Yeah. And that probably yeah. is very important for, yeah. for the church going forward. And so, so this, this Seattle church is praying for opportunities. This is what I think is happening in praying for those opportunities is like, I think they're always there, but as we're asking, we become way, our awareness is way more yeah. heightened. Yeah. We're seeing like, Oh, this is actually an opportunity mm-hmm. to share the gospel right now. And, yeah. I, and I think as we're praying, like when, we, when we're in a season of being able to pray that way, when we do get to share the gospel, it's way less clunky and awkward than when we're just like, I'm up here to share the gospel. So that's just what I do with people, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. yeah. you're aware you're able to be patient and wait for that opportunity as you're asking God, like, God, I'm fearful for this person's soul. Like, I want them to know you. I know what's going to happen if they don't. Please. Mm-hmm give me an opportunity to share the gospel with them I don't want to be I'm not trying to like be showy but it's a discipline I've been trying to do this year and I haven't done it super regularly but I have a spreadsheet I literally list out like everyone I know at least a little bit right I'm going to add you and Kristen now Um, and you know I like create a new column next to them next to the names every time I get into it and I, I just type like what I know is going on in their life like what I'm praying for if they're not a Christian I just think it's really repetitive yeah <laughs> save him save her save him save him uh but you know you can pray for their well-being too no, I mean true. of course we I care do. about their salvation yeah. we also just pray that like yeah no I do I do yeah. I do <laughs> who cares about that yeah right? if you know detail you, 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 I try to put the detail but, it, but it's striking how much it changes me too yeah mm-hmm. not as like a, oh yeah. I want to be better so I should do this but I am so much like you said aware of uh event of every single person yeah. on that list I call people after mm. doing it I text people after doing it dude so this is exactly going back to your question of pastors like mm. workload I think the workload of the pastor would be much more rejuvenating 
if he's in constant prayer? Because you're saying you're na- your heart is more naturally inclined to go out to others when you're in seasons of prayer. So it's not an exhausting exercise for you. True. It's God stirring that in you and the Holy Spirit leading you to go do that, right? I want to. Yeah. It's a, de- it's a desire to go outward and to not focus on yourself. So you're assuming like Jebon is in prayer about it because that dude works a full-time job and is a pastor and he's actually following up. So either he's going to burn himself out and in two years we'll be like, dude, you did too much. Or we'll be like, that dude must have been in prayer and and God was actually stirring his heart to where he found energy to do that sort of stuff. Or it's both. He's doing both. But I think he's he's in an extreme situation where he is forced to rely on God or crumble. Because if he keeps it all on his shoulders, if he's relying fully on himself, which I 100% doubt he is, yeah. it's all going to fall apart. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he, he's placed himself in such a place of faith where it's like, okay, hey, God, I like legit am experiencing the need I've always had for you, but I'm experiencing the need I have for you daily right now. And it's causing him to look outward rather than mm-hmm. inward. And so I think the more that Christians as a whole can be doing that, and that's what I'm saying we need pastors that are doing mm-hmm. that, because we just all follow the leader. We're all idiots. And we follow the guy on the stage in front of us, and we live like he lives, and we value what he values. It's stupid, but that's what we do. Yeah. You make me think I'm struck by like how I've never seen a pastor just be like, let's just pray through this whole service. Yeah. I, I feel like maybe I've seen that once or twice, but, you know, it's kind of like a... Why not? Like, or we're, like, just having prayer meetings. Mm-hmm. Like, it does happen sometimes. No, here, for sure. But like that are, like, I've never seen a vibrant one. Mm-hmm. It's always only old people that show up to it. Okay, what's vibrant? Do you talking about? Like, I'm talking tongues, tunnels. Get I'm out talking... here! <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean just like people are eager to go there and pray. Oh yeah, yeah. I've yeah. never experienced that. Yeah. That's true. It's a drag. Yeah, it's a people. burden. Mm. Hey, we're having this prayer meeting Wednesday yeah. nights. Everyone's we're gonna have right. pizza and tacos too. So if you want to <laughs> show up, like, we'll pray Craft for fifteen minutes. Beer. I promise it will not be longer. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's a gimmick to get people to come pray rather than a longing yeah. from the people of God to go cry out to their Lord, who's the only one who can do anything. Mm. And mm. I'm so I'm so guilty of exactly what I'm saying. So that's mm. why I'm saying it. Yeah, but. I think that's, that's some great stuff to wrap up on. But before we do, we mentioned Javon Washington. His church is Flourish Church Flourish in church. Rainier Valley. Yep. If you want to check it out. Uh, and then Stuart Bell, I think I have it right. His church is City Center Baptist. Yep. Um, any last words we want to share before closing things up? Now you have nothing to say? I got nothing, man. No last words. <laughs> no, man, I appreciate you coming We got to keep on. talking after we shut this yeah, podcast yeah. off. So. I, appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on the podcast um, and sharing your heart, sharing your struggles. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious that you're a good dude who, who loves people and wants to see change, and you struggle with the pride of the change, but like an honest fear of the Lord and desire mm-hmm. to serve Him and... Uh, that's something I've always, I've always appreciated about you and learned from you, and um, hopefully, yeah, this podcast and putting it out will be maybe helpful for others thinking through the church in Seattle. Thanks, man. Uh, on a lot final word, I just thought of because of the name. So I'm like bad mouthing all these pastors, right? Like saying there's no pastors in the city that I've met. 
Um, I'm in no way trying to say, I know I sound like a total douche, but I'm not at all trying to say that, that these dudes do not genuinely love Jesus. Yeah. And that they don't think they're genuinely like striving to be faithful to the call yeah. they've been given. I totally, 100% think that. I think that they've probably been poorly discipled into what their role is as a pastor of the church. Yeah. And it's so easy to fall into what the the church who has been poorly trained expects out of you. Yeah. And so for the dude who's never been a pastor, has never led a church, like just some idealistic 30 year old who thinks I got it all figured out. Hopefully there's humility at the end of the podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> I sympathize with her and know I could totally go down that exact same route and end yeah. up doing the exact same things that I'm railing against. Um, but my hope is to see that the body of, of Christ becomes vibrant but I think that that's necessary to happen through pastors being an example of that um, and yeah excited to listen to you guys podcast more and more great thank you Ray it's yep. great having you we'll call it good this is Seattle Church Radio episode one signing oh, no. oh we did we not practice that. that that was legit <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, now I'm hitting the stop button. Yeah. <laughs>